Good day, mate. 40 here. So I love little explanations, like little levers, little ways to unlock life. And I think one lever for unlocking life is to realize that uh, beyond just survival, uh, almost everything we do after that is to feel important. So we cheer on the Dallas Cowboys because the more unhappy we are, the more desperate we are to rid ourselves of an unwanted self and to dissolve ourselves into some uh, you know, epic, uh, winning, uh, cool organization. So I think that's what drives a lot of converts, such as myself. When I was in my early 20s, I was not thrilled with myself, and I wanted very much to kind of uh, get rid of an unwanted self and to dissolve myself into you know, a much superior corporate entity of uh, Judaism and so it, it is I think with all the talk right now about civil war and the apocalypse meaning the, the end of the world the end of life right there's tremendous vanity behind this thinking because if the world's coming to an end right then there's nothing more serious right? if America is heading into a civil war Right, there is no topic that is more important to talk about. So you are at the center of what's really going on. The world's coming to an end. You're, you're part of the, the final generation. Right? You're super duper important. So we, we all, like I'm doing this live stream in part because I want to feel more important than I currently am, than I would be without doing this live stream. So it doesn't make you bad to want to feel more important. It's just kind of amusing how motivated we all are to feel more important than we are, and at the same time, how much contempt and disgust we have for many of the ways that people act to try to feel more important. So if someone volunteers, right, does good things to feel more important, creates you know, wonderful things to improve the quality of our lives, right, to feel more important, if someone you know, starts a business and employs people and conducts business in a legal and ethical way, then I would hope that we would admire them, right? But when people do things to feel more important that are antisocial and degrade the quality of our lives, then, then we naturally have contempt. So I think that hyping civil war, like Dennis Prager does, he's been saying for over two decades that America is in a non-shooting civil war. And I think that is poison for the soul to the extent that people take that seriously. It will make them feel less safe. It will lead them to put up more barriers against uh, other people with the you know, opposing politics. It will make you less effective in life, less happy, you know, less able to relate to people with you know, contrary politics to your own, less likely to get along with neighbors and co-workers. So to me, that kind of thinking that... Uh, that could it happen here? It's already happening here, right? I think that's absolute poison. So the phrase, could it happen here, that is generally primarily taken to refer to Nazi Germany. So saying that America's already turning into Nazi Germany, I think it's hyperbolic. I think it's histrionic. I think it's extreme. None of the evidence that, that Dennis Prager puts forward to argue for why we're becoming more like uh, Nazi Germany stands up because... None of the points that he makes in service of his argument are unique to Nazi Germany, right? They're just uh, 
They're just things that dozens, if not hundreds, of, of nations and governments uh, have done, such as more you know, government control over business or restrictions on speech. Right? None of those things are peculiar or particular to Nazi Germany. So it'd be hard to find a happier man than Dennis Prager. So I don't think he is you know, coming to his apocalyptic civil war point of view from a state of unhappiness. But it is pretty much essential to be a syndicated right-wing talk show host. I don't know syndicated left-wing talk show hosts, so I don't know the dynamics of the left as well as I know the dynamics of the right, but the essence of being successful right-wing talk show host and pundit is to emphasize that your listeners are victims and you are the, the vehicle by which they can become empowered, that you're going to take on all the institutions that are holding them back. So I notice a lot of older people talk about uh, the apocalypse, or, you know, the, the end of you know, American Jewish literature, or the end of this literature, or the end of this type of poetry, or the end of this type of art, or the end of this cultural moment, right? And I notice a lot of you know, older intellectuals feel like uh, this or that cultural moment is dying with them, which again you know, enhances their vanity, enhances their sense of importance. So there gotta be healthier ways to you know, enhance your feeling of importance than making false proclamations about the end of this or that civilization. I was at Sierra Community College, I think, in the fall of 1985, and I first encountered people who seriously argued that planet Earth would be better off without human beings. So there's a whole philosophical movement behind saying that the world would be better off without people because we're just destroying the planet and so you know birds and trees and animals right, they'd be better off without us and there's this one south african philosopher who argues that the sum total of most people's life, lives is more pain than pleasure so that's not my experience i'm sure it is the experience of some people but i don't think it's the experience of most people so, so I think the core of this kind of anti-humanist philosophy that the planet would be better off without us is someone who's just deeply unhappy. So I do notice this with a lot of people who are in love with the idea of the apocalypse, right? in love with the idea of civil war, is a deep unhappiness or an above average need for excitement. Right? The apocalypse and civil war certainly be very exciting. And to have this above average need for importance, vanity, and excitement, that reflects a certain inner emptiness at your core, which reflects a lack of connection to other people. So the foundation for my political philosophy, for my religious views, for my psychological views, for my social and cultural and economic views is love, right? Like your life should revolve around people that you love, family that you love, extended family that you love your nation should be an extended family right? your community uh, your friends your culture your way of life right? you should have all these things that you love yeah, suicidal people want the world to end says uh, Claire Corr or just people who are just lacking with lacking in love like I think a healthy politics and healthy economics begins with, with love. So I don't think people are here to serve the GNP. You know, I don't think GNP numbers you know, the most important thing. 
we're not here to serve the Constitution, like the Constitution and whatever economic and political and cultural systems that we adopt, or religious systems, right, should enhance our ability to love one another, you know, love our friends, our, our family, create a, a community that we adore, and to then protect it against you know, any outgroup that seeks to destroy us. And so there's a whole transhumanist movement of which Elon Musk is part who think that, oh, we're developing computers right now. Computers can outcompete humans playing chess and computers are getting smarter and smarter than people and we're going to transcend humanity because computers are so much smarter than us and therefore they will become they're more uh, economically efficient. And so this idea that you know, economics or some, you know, abstract notion is the primary value for a human being. People who think the ruling classes are mad, even stupid, are more likely to be mentally ill than those who think that the ruling classes deserve to rule. Yeah. Yeah, so I got to admit, I inherited from my father a tendency to regard the outside world as the enemy to be debunked. So this is a characteristic of many self-made men and unhappy people. The outside world is the enemy to be debunked. There are people who are now using ChatGBT to me. Ugh. True, a lot of people who rail against the elite are either mentally ill or have some severe personal issues. Yeah, what about the people who are in love with the apocalypse or in love with civil war or in love with saying we're turning into Nazi Germany? That... Uh, that uh, government lockdowns were, you know, the greatest mistake that humanity has ever made. So, I think a healthy politics, a healthy economics, is just, you know, based on if you love people, and if you love people, you want to protect them. And, you know, unhealthy is just wanting everything to be burned up. They revel in the idea of our society falling apart because they're falling apart inside, or they revel in whatever attention that they can claim. So in part, this is an attention economy, all right? We're all competing for, for attention. And so saying that the war's coming to an end, we're in a civil war, we're turning into Nazi Germany, all right? That is incredibly compelling to many people because it's exciting. So most people have fairly humdrum jobs. And I think many people do lack a sense of excitement in their life which I would expect comes primarily from a lack of normal human connections. Like a normal person should be able to get all the excitement they need from their children, from their spouse, from their friends, from their family and extended family. And on top of that, if they're in particularly intelligent from their hobbies, their intellectual, cultural, religious, uh, spiritual pursuits, right, that should be all the excitement that you need and if you need much more than that, there's probably something wrong. Do you think belief in God could cure most forms of mental illness? No, I don't. Um, I think belief in God definitely helps many people. And what it should do normally is that it connects you to concrete community. So anything that connects you to concrete humanity, hum concrete community that is not antisocial, that is not catastrophizing, that is not all about, you know, civil war and the apocalypse. But if you're connected to decent people, and so if you believe in God, you have a 
you know, particular belief in a particular pathway to God, that should connect you to real people, such as real Christians, real Jews, real Muslims, or I'm not so familiar with other forms of religion outside of that. And then it's through those connections to people that you become sane. Right? If you're disconnected from people, no matter what you believe, it's very hard to stay sane. I'm primarily drawing on my own personal experience. I get incredibly, I have been incredibly disconnected from others and then I get really weird. There's a drag queen, therefore the lights are going to go out. <laughs> so I get weird when I get isolated, all right? I remember when I was isolated with chronic fatigue syndrome, I, I, I got these um, boxer shorts with hearts on them, uh, red hearts on white. And I would just wear these boxer shorts without anything on top of them. I just wore my boxer shorts as shorts on long walks because I just really dug these boxer shorts. I mean, it was weird. Like, and people you know, noticed how weird I was. On the other hand, I've had the pleasure at various times in my childhood where I get you know, unofficially adopted into a family. And then my weirdness would, uh, would diminish. I just had less need to engage in bizarre attention-seeking. So when I was new, when I moved to the United States and I started sixth grade in the United States, I engaged in a lot of really bizarre attention-seeking because I didn't yet have close friends. Like I spent my first three months in the United States in the Pacific Union College Library just reading books and back issues of Time Life and Newsweek magazine. And then you know, it took me a while to make friends at school and because I didn't really have friends, I would like eat insects. I would make very rude noises. I would uh, tease people unmercifully. I would, you know, I was just hyperactive, hyperattention seeking. All these people were saying I was insecure. But when I'm connected with friends, not nearly so insecure. Where do I see myself in 20 years? Uh, great great question uh, my dad was pretty lucid you know right up to the end he died at age 90 uh, my mother died I think at about age 40 of cancer so uh, my older brother and sister in excellent health so I I would like to see myself continuing along the, the path that I'm on so you know I'd love the, the privilege of being you know, mentally sharp and being able to make a contribution you know up to up to my 90s and to be in you know, pretty good physical health. So I'm 56, I have no aches and pains, which really helps one have a positive attitude on life. Like everything in my body works, you know, my legs, my calves, my shoulders, my, you know, everything works great. I was like walking for you know, over three hours on the Santa Monica Venice beach yesterday. Nothing hurts now. You know, I just did a couple of pull-ups. I'm gonna do some more pull-ups, you know, nothing hurts. So feeling free and easy in my body uh, really helps to have uh, you know, a more calm approach to, to thinking. There's not nearly as desperate a need to kind of you know, transcend the reality of your own aches and pains and you know, uh, destruction that's going on inside of your just inability to do the ordinary tasks of life. Thoughts on the Instagram selfie scandal at Auschwitz? Uh, no, but people want to feel important, and people want one way that we do that is by live streaming and posting on uh, social media. And so, 
if you're connected to other people, I think you'd be less likely to post inappropriate selfies from Auschwitz. That's my history. When I'm wired into a community and friends, you know, I, I'm less likely to act in an antisocial way. One thing you notice about serial killers is that they're almost all loners. Like if you've got friends, you're not nearly as likely to go out and do horrible things. There's like less desperation. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a desperate place, I'm not a very nice person. So if I'm desperately late or had you know, desperate financial troubles or desperate physical troubles, uh, I don't think so clearly. But I, I think it's a useful road in to understand politics and philosophy is, um, is this someone's you know, desperate attempt for feeling important and, and attention-seeking? And if the war's coming to end or in civil war or you're proclaiming that humanity you know, is a cancer on the earth and it'd be better if all people just disappeared, right? That's like coming from a place of unhappiness. And you know, if you're against capitalism and you know, technology, right, you need substantial amount of capitalism and technology for the planet to be able to sustain 8 billion people. And if you're against you know, these things, then you want billions of people dead. And I can't imagine that that happy, normal person who you know gets along, you know, with friends and family and community, really wants billions of people dead. Like, you know, it's. I've been reading about Mein Kampf, and it's this. It was appealing to people who wanted an apocalypse, right? People who wanted you know rivers of blood. And uh, I don't think the normal human being who you know loves his kids, has has friends you know, yearns for rivers of blood to be continued.